You're watching one of a series of videos where Elisa Childers and I respond to 23 progressive Christian claims, kind of like a progressive Christian manifesto that was written by Ragamuffin TV. We deal with these claims, some good, some bad, some ugly, and I'm hoping that this helps you to think biblically. Let's go on to number five. This has to do with the wrath of God and hell. So it says, wrath of God and hell aren't literal. They are metaphors for swimming against the flow of God's love. I just want to acknowledge how good that feels. <laughs> right? Didn't that feel good? <laughs> wow. Like I honestly, all the tension I have between me and non-Christians becomes just, it just disappears because I'm like, hey man, you're just swimming against the flow of God's love. Like I don't yeah. have to worry about telling you like God's going to like judge you for your sin. I'm just like, you're swimming against the flow of God's love. The irony is that he says wrath of God in hell they're a metaphor for, and then he offers a metaphor. Right, right. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> a great point. For a metaphor? What is, yeah. What, is that, what does that mean? Um, yeah, it, it's it's ironic. You take something here that's not a metaphor. Hell and God's wrath are not actually metaphors at all. Like linguistically, they're not being used as metaphors. Uh, and then you turn it into a metaphor. So they're metaphors, which they're not, for for what's actually a metaphor this is, it boggles the mind, the irrationality of it. But I think the power of it is how good it feels. Yeah. Oh man. It, oh, I'm so, I could just tell people, man, you're swimming against the flow of God's love. But I mean, that's kind of like, you know, when, uh, you know, if, if the Chinese army invaded the U S and I'm not, I'm not, I'm just giving a hypothetical situation yeah. here. Um, and then, uh, and then they're shooting everybody who's, who's getting in their way. And I'm like, they're not fighting you guys. You're just swimming against the flow of their love. Like, right, right. <laughs> it's just, it just it it just uh, devalues what's actually happening. Yeah, I think there's an allergy to the idea of God's wrath mm -hmm. in the progressive Christian movement. For sure, they eat they and and part of it's because they think that either God a he does have wrath, in which case he's petty, or he has no wrath, in which case he's love, and they see these as as um, irreconcilable. But if anybody who has children has been in a situation where somebody harmed or threatened their child, they would have known that love creates wrath very quickly. Mm. And that these are not irreconcilable ideas. God's wrath, of course, is perfect and holy. It's never selfish. It's never knee-jerk reaction. It's always based upon truth. It's always the right response. Um, but something should make us mad, right? Child molestation, I, I should get mad. And I, something's wrong with me if I don't get mad. The sin of mankind should invoke wrath. Yeah. And something's wrong with God if he's not wrathful. Right. Whereas the progressive Christian would say something's wrong with him if he is. But if God doesn't have wrath, something's actually wrong. Now, in the Bible, this is clear. There's over 20 different words used to talk about God's wrath towards sin, and they're not metaphors. Yeah. There are um, lots of examples in the Bible. It's like these pinnacle moments of God's wrath, like the flood, Sodom and Gomorrah, yeah. the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple by Nebuchadnezzar. Like these are pinnacle examples of God bringing his wrath. And I mean, you can't say Sodom and Gomorrah merely swam against the flow of God's love. Right. You can't rationally say that. Right. Like this, there's fire and brimstone, you know, the flood was not just swimming against the flow. I mean, if swimming against the flow of God's love is being flooded. Yeah. Then I guess your analogy works. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, the scary reality is that mankind has sinned against God and that this is, this is part of the core of the gospel message. Yeah. The cross doesn't even make sense. If there is no death sentence. Which is why I think the cross doesn't make sense in the progressive Christian parag paradigm. As we've you talked about with each other on, we did the, a show together on Frank Turk's show, and we did a couple of shows on my podcast about this, that the, the cross doesn't make sense to the progressive Christian. And I think it's largely because 
if you if you just look at all of the things that are underneath this denial of the wrath of God, and while you were talking, uh, I was looking because this sounds so Richard Rohrish to me, uh, because his whole idea of the Trinity is that you're swimming in this flow of the Trinity. And so I was looking at his chapter on God's wrath, and he just he he just outright says God's wrath or doing. Um, is theologically impossible. That's that's what Richard Rohr says. And this is going to build on the next one too, but I was just going to say like so many building blocks are built on the idea that we're not really all that bad as people. So wrath for that sounds horrible. And then of course, if you need blood atonement for that, it's just it's like builds upon itself. And uh, but but I think it all just comes down to us realizing that we are sinners and that we need a savior, we need salvation, and God's wrath. Um, I, I just did a, a a YouTube video with William Lane Craig, and he made he was quoting another scholar saying uh, something along the lines of like God's wrath is 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 the only thing that gives us any hope, you know, because we know that He will end sin. And so, um, yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting one. Um, number six, though, this kind of goes right into number six, and seven are all kind of tied together. But six is God's justice isn't punitive; it's restorative. And I hear this a lot, actually, even from Christians who maybe aren't that progressive in other areas. But um, because we think of ourselves like parents, we want to do as much restorative justice as we can, right? We don't want to just rush to punishment. We want to try to do positive reinforcement and give rewards when our children do right things. And that's true. And I think, but I think there's a place for punitive punishment, which we see all throughout Scripture. I, I don't know how you can get around all of the punitive uh, examples of punitive justice, but how would you respond to that? God's justice isn't punitive, it's restorative. Um, well, yeah, so, you know, punitive, for anybody who's not familiar with the term, it just means it relates to punishment, where God's like, I'm just going to punish you because what you did was bad. That's just how how you deserve punishment, so you get punishment. Um, whereas restorative is the idea that I'm, I'm always, I'm going to use this suffering just to bring you back to me. I'm going to restore you back to me, which would imply, of course, universal salvation. Mm. Everybody's going to end up being saved. Everyone's going to end up being okay. Some people would even extend this to Satan, um, that he'll be okay as well. God's Because God's you know, punishment or justice, rather, is restorative. Um, I have a few concerns about this. One is that I think that it can become narcissistic, and that and that's when it. And let me. I'll start by saying this: I don't think it's an either or. I think that what God does in His justice is restorative and punitive. I think it's both, and I think there's there's kind of a spectrum or flow that goes on here. But it can be narcissistic and problematic when it becomes either or. It's because it's all about me, right? Because when I say God's justice is restorative, what I mean is He's going to restore me, not just restore order not just restore what's right in the universe, not just restore um, the scales of punishment equaling crimes, but restore me. Mm. And when I do that, when it's all about me, bring me to joy and me to fulfillment, I have a very narcissistic worldview. What about God restoring justice and righteousness and the rulership of God in the universe? Right, and, yeah. uh, imagine if we lived in a world, for example, where the criminals run wild and they're just, the cops, they don't do their jobs. Right. All the cops do is is they just keep talking to the criminals about, hey, you know, it'd be really nice if you just, you know, kind of live better. Yeah. You're really swimming against the flow of my love, you know. And um, and but what if then the cops finally decide, forget this, we're just putting everyone who does bad stuff in prison, okay? And they just start doing punitive justice. Society would rejoice. But you know who would not rejoice? The criminals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the criminals would not be happy. They would be. They, and and I have I've I've done 
uh, ministry to people who have been convicted of various crimes. I did domestic violence counseling for years, so I'm dealing with perpetrators of domestic mm. violence. Now, most would think, oh, that's the scum of the earth, Mike, right? These people who who beat their wives or whatever, and um, they don't think that at all. They all think they're great guys. Yeah. And they all think that the judges are crooked wow. and that the cops are, are, are unjust wow. and that it's so messed up. And they, what I'm saying here is when we say God's justice is not punitive, it is only restorative. We are the criminals who are so obsessed with ourself and our well-being and our own perspective that we cannot grant that we might actually be the bad guy. Wow. That's a great and, point. That's a great analogy. Yeah. So restorative doesn't rule out punitive. Uh, punishment is one way God does restore people, but he's also just restoring righteousness, restoring rightness in the land or in the in the universe. And he actually rips on uh, secular, or I shouldn't say secular as much as just uh, non-Jewish governments, you know, the, those outside Israel who don't do this, yeah. who don't do this punitive judgment. But here's some examples. Romans one thirty two. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. This means that people who do these types of sins, they actually deserve to die. It's just a just deserts. That's punitive justice. That's what it is. Romans 2, 5, it says in relating those people to us, it says, because of your hard and impenitent heart, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And it's not a metaphor here. Yeah. It's just actual wrath. So I, so it, and there's a sense in which even when a sinner is just punished and sent to hell, that was a restorative moment, just not for them, mm. but for creation, for the universe and for the rightness of things. Yes, it was. Yeah. And only the narcissistic view doesn't see that as justice. Wow. That is, that is a great answer, Mike. That is well put. I'm going to be putting up one of these videos every single day until the entire series is uploaded on my channel with a playlist. So you might want to subscribe if you want to get those notifications. But if you can't wait, there's links to the two video interviews in large form that I already did on Elisa Childers' channel down below.